All right. Uh, well, we managed to make it through uh, verse 5 last week. Um, we'll probably make it through about verse 12 this week. Um, and uh, before we jump in on verse 6, I, I wanted to go back and just kind of chat and, and kind of footstomp some of the high points or some of the key takeaways from, from last week's uh, lesson. So, um, so we'll do that uh, just to begin with from verse one, verses 1 through 5. So, so David starts out Psalm 51 by saying, Have mercy on me, O God. Um, and from that we took away um, that he approached God with a humility uh, and he had a very firm, strong understanding uh, that he needed mercy and he needed God's mercy. He didn't need the mercy of a priest. He didn't need, he needed God's mercy. Um, and uh, we talked about how that motivated uh, everything he said throughout Psalm 51. Um, and uh, we talked about really needing that same level of, of understanding and, 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 and humility before God, um, because we, we may not have committed the same sins that David did, but we certainly all need mercy before God. Um, so, so that was kind of footstomp number one. Um, and then um, immediately after that, he talks about God's unfailing love, and he talks about his great compassion. Um, and from that, we took away that um, David was safe to come before God. He knew who God was. We talked about um, Exodus uh, 36, I think it is, uh, where God actually talked about who he is and gave his name. And he talked about his great compassion and he talked about his unfailing love. David believed God was or is who he said he is. Um, and, and that was a, a real key takeaway for us. And, and it's important that we have that same knowledge and understanding uh, and, and I'll admit, it's been a relearning for me um, as I've gone through some of the things I've gone through um, over the last few years, uh, remembering who God is and remembering that he longs to be gracious to us. Um, so it's really, really powerful, and it allows us to feel safe coming before God um, with, our, with our needs um, and in and, 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 and seeking mercy. Um, then, then David talks about, I, I need you to blot, blot out my transgressions, I need you to wash away my iniquity, and I need you to cleanse me from my sins. And we talked about that, and we a couple things that, that we pointed out were David wanted that completely removed. He didn't want any anything left. He wanted it completely blotted out and, and removed. Um, and the other thing we talked about was he owned his sin completely. Um, you, you talk about uh, transgression, you talk about iniquity, you talk about sin. Um, he, uh, he, was, he was very articulate in, in what it was that he was asking God to remove from him. And it wasn't just the sins that we talked about the first week we were in here. It was the sinfulness in his life, the sinfulness in his heart that, uh, that he wanted removed and he wanted taken care of. Um, and then we got into something, and, and Don jumped out with a question right right off the bat with that. We, we talked about, David said, you know, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Um, and we talked a lot about that. Because, um, you know, the first week we threw up a, a list of people that he'd harmed. He hurt a lot of people with his sin. Um, but when we talked last week, we talked about... Um, that at its core, sin is against God. It harms other people. It impacts other people. Um, but at its core, um, it's against God. And David could very easily have gotten distracted uh, by trying to make it right with everybody that he had hurt before he came before God and said, you know, I, I need your mercy and I need your grace. Um, and so, you know, we, we kind of kind of stepped away with the knowledge that really when we're dealing with sin and when we're dealing with restoration, one of the key things that we've, we've got to do is recognize that it's God first and foremost that we have to get right with. Um, and then, you know, we can move on from there and, and, and we can work those other relationships and those other broken relationships and, and harms and pains that we've caused. We can certainly do that and we need to. And we talked about the need to do that, um, but not before God. 
Uh, and then, uh, and then towards the end, David says, "You are right when you speak, and justified when you judge." And and really, what David was saying there was, "I agree with you. I agree with you. You have, you know, through Nathan, he he let him have it, and he said, "You've done this. You've done this. You've done this. You've despised me." And David, at the end of that, you know, he says, "You know, you're right. I did all of that." Um, and so we, we talked about the need to accept responsibility for, for your sin, for what you've, what you've done, and acknowledge to God that, yes, you're right, I have sinned against you, and whatever your judgment is, is going to be right, because you are just, you are right, you are holy. Uh, and that's, that's kind of where we left off um, with uh, verse 5 last week. So, before we jump in, was anybody who was here did anything kind of jump in into your mind over the week? Anything that you want to touch on from last week before we move forward? Okay. All righty. Then uh, we'll start verse six. But we're going to start verse six by starting with verse five. Um, so, uh, verse five Surely I was sinful from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet, you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Um, so I think, uh, I think David's doing two things with this. When he talks about you desired faithfulness even in the womb, um, and you, you taught me wisdom in that secret place, I think first and foremost, he is contrasting his sinful life. I was sinful from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, uh, with what God desired for his life. God desired for his life faithfulness, even in the womb, even before he was born, God desired that faithfulness from him. Um, and then he, he, he said, and you even taught me wisdom in that secret place. Um, so and David, David is very well aware of what he's done, and, and he knows that he, do, he has done the exact opposite of what God has been coaching him to do from before the time he was even born. Um, so I think he's, he's drawing a contrast again between what, how he's lived and how God wanted him to live. Um, and then I think he's doing one other thing, though. You know, when he says, yet, you desired faithfulness, he's, he's talked about his sinful condition, and then he says, yet, you desired faithfulness in the womb, and you taught me wisdom in that secret place. I think he is relying on the fact that God has begun a good work in him, you know, even from within the womb. Um, and I think he's, he, he knows that God from the womb and, and, and beyond has been faithful to him his entire life. You know, he's got lots of experience that he can draw back on. He can draw back on the lion and the bear. He can draw back on Goliath. He can draw back on God keeping him safe from Saul. He can draw back on how he's led him to lead Israel up to this point. Um, so he knows that he's, he's begun a good work in him. Um, and, and I think that's the second thing that he's doing is, is calling on God and saying, hey, you began this in me. I believe you're going to finish it. Um, and uh, I think there's a lot of hope in that, um, a, a, a lot of hope. And, uh, you know, Philippians 1.6 is where we see that in the New Testament when Paul says to the Philippians, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will continue that to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. So I, I think David was saying something very similar um, when he talks about this, and, and we certainly can hold on to this. This Philippians verse is a huge verse for me because um, sometimes I'll doubt. And sometimes I'll worry, and sometimes I'll wonder, am I ever going to make it? Um, am I ever going to be what, what God has called me to be? And to be able to look back on that verse and say, whoever, you, you know, you began a good work in me, and you're going to continue it to completion. I, I think that's really powerful. Um, so my takeaway from this is that even when we reflect on our sinfulness and we recognize sort of where we are in our condition, um, it's important to remember that we're not alone. Um, you know, David had God from the very beginning, and he's reminding us of that, um, and that God's working in us from the very beginning and, and continuing on. So any thoughts before we, we move on? 
Okay, so uh, ideally I would have finished that verse last week. Um, that kind of finishes up, you know, the, the, the confession piece of Psalm 51. So we, David starts out with just being abjectly humble before God. Then he begins to confess his sins, own his sins. Uh, and now we're going to shift from confession um, and pleading for mercy. God saying, or him, him saying to God, essentially, please don't give me what I deserve. Because what I deserve is death, uh, on at least two accounts, um, and and we're switching from that, and we're moving to um, sort of a petitioning uh, where God, where where David is not necessarily asking for mercy as much as he's asking for grace, um, and he's uh, he's you know he's kind of moving from don't just not kill me, uh, but please uh, cleanse me and make me pure and make me whole. And, and there are several petitions that David makes over the next several verses that we're going to talk about tonight. And throughout all of these uh, petitions and all of these verses, we see David looking for a pure heart, not just the forgiveness of some sins, um, but a pure heart and a total transformation of his character. Um, so... At this point, before we jump into this, this is something I meant to sort of lead off with at the, at the very beginning, and I forgot. Um, but the way Psalm 51 worked for me uh, was it was kind of it went in phases for me, um, and uh, I, I started off, you know, I read it and and I went, "That's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I want." You know, and I read through this whole psalm, and I'm reading something that's written by a man after God's own heart, and he's talking about what he wants and what he needs and what he's pleading for from God uh, throughout. And so I thought, well, that's, that's what I want. This is a, this is a model for, for recovery and restoration. And then, you know, I began to um, move from reading what David wanted to recognizing, hey, I, I need to be talking to God about these things, and I need to be asking God for these things myself. Um, and then as I did other study, um, what should have been crystal clear to me at the very beginning became very clear to me, and that was, you know, Joe, everything that David asks for, and, and for these next several verses, all of his petitions, all the things he's asking God for, we, we already have them through Christ. And, and I'm going to try and point that out through some of the uh, New Testament scriptures that we, we go. So we see in David what every person needs from God, right? And, and David was asking, David, you know, he didn't have Jesus. He didn't have the Spirit. He had, he had his relationship with God, and, and he worked, you know, with that. Um, but we have a whole, whole lot more. Uh, and that was really powerful for me when I when I finally woke up to it. <laughs> uh, so um, we'll start with verse seven. Uh, Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Um, and and here again, he's asking God for something. Um, and the word cleanse. Um, I thought it was really interesting. It, the, the literal translation of, un, or of cleanse is unsin. So he says, unsin me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Um, he's talking about hyssop. He's talking about ritual cleansing. Um, if you look at Leviticus 14, um, you would see um, the prescribed cleansing procedure for leprosy. Um, and it involved getting hyssop and blood and water and dipping the hyssop in the blood and then sprinkling it on the person trying to be cleansed from leprosy. And you do that seven times. Um, and then there are several sacrifices that are offered and, and all that. But this is the cleansing piece of, of, the, the, of, of making somebody clean from, from leprosy or a, a, a skin disease. Um, and I think what David is saying here is just like a leper needs to be cleansed uh, from his disease, um, I need to be cleansed, but I've got to be cleansed from a sin condition. I've got to be cleansed from the brokenness in my heart and in my life. Um, and I need to be cleansed and made acceptable to you. Um, so I think that's what he's bringing before God when he talks to God about cleansing me with hyssop. I think that's what he means. 
and only God can, can, can wash him in a way such that he is whiter than snow. Um, so, and I think as he compares his sin with a condition like leprosy, he's acknowledging um, that he has a condition that he can't fix, um, a condition that only God can and that has to be fixed in order for him to be restored to a relationship with God. And so really, in, in my mind, and, and this is a little tenuous, I, I'll, I'll admit, in my mind, you get to the point where he's describing our condition and he's describing why Christ had to come. Because we all have that same condition that David had that, that needs cleansing and, and, and us becoming right with God. Um, so I think we're in that same boat today. Um, and we certainly can't wash away our own sins. Um, we're, we're, reliant, we're as reliant on God for that as, as David was at the time. Um, but with Christ's blood, we have what David was asking for. We don't, we don't, if we are saved, we don't have to, we don't have to ask that question. We don't have to ask God to cleanse us with hyssop and we'll be clean or wash us. He's already done that. Um, if first John one verse seven, uh, says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And then 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Purify us from all unrighteousness. So the things David was asking for, again, we have and we have through Jesus. So so I think that's, you know, it, it, it's amazingly powerful when you think about it. And as you're working through through um, the the process of restoration, the image of that that comes to my mind is like having your hands under the faucet constantly and it's continually being pure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely true. Absolutely. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Okay, so verse 8, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Um, So David had, his sin had completely robbed him of his joy and gladness. And if you look at the Psalms and you, you look at what we know of David as a talented musician, someone who was always singing his songs, are, are, are praise oriented you know this is this is a huge thing for him he's he's been robbed of his of his joy and his gladness um, you know he's dealing with pain he's dealing with guilt he's dealing with shame um, it could even be physical pain Psalm 34 we looked at this last time or Psalm 30, I'm sorry 32 um, verses three and four. We looked at this once before, but I want to kind of refer back to it. This is what David said about himself, um, and I believe it was before Nathan um, confronted him. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through groaning day all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, and my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. So this is David talking about how he felt. Um, so let me hear joy and gladness. He certainly needed that. Um, it, had, it had been taken away. Um, and, you know, that sounds a lot like depression to me. It sounds like a, a, a lot of uh, sadness, guilt. Uh, but I got to tell you, the first time I read that, and maybe the second and third time too, um, it didn't set well with me. Um, it, uh, I thought that is a really, really audacious request. Um, you know, you've, you, you know what you've done. Um, you know you, who you've harmed. You, you, you know all of this stuff. You're asking for cleansing. But to, to ask for joy and gladness, it, it didn't seem it didn't seem right to me, um, and uh, 
I, I struggled with it a lot. I, 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 I thought, uh, maybe you need to sit in that a little bit, um, which is probably good that I'm not God. Um, um, but So I'm interested in what you guys think. Is this a reasonable request that David went to God with when, when he said, let, let, me, let me hear joy and gladness, let the bones you've crushed rejoice? Is that something reasonable? He needs a breath of fresh air. He does need a breath of fresh air, and that's what he's saying, absolutely. Yeah. And he's realizing that God can restore him back to the way he was. Yep. The relationship that they had. Absolutely. Before he did what he did. Yeah, absolutely. I think that when we don't have that joy and gladness, it's because we haven't been able to accept God's forgiveness. Mm Um, and we keep listening to Satan's voice telling us he'll never forgive you. You're not worthy of forgiveness. You can't. I mean, he he is a master of voices in yeah. our ear yeah. when we have done something. And so we don't think we're worthy of this. So <clears throat> the fact that he's begging to hear it yeah. is like, let me embrace that you have cleansed me from it all my iniquity exactly and then i won't have to walk in shame and guilt i can walk in joy and gladness. Ex- exactly lynn that's exactly yep that that is what i finally came to in in my own mind as i as i studied and prayed and and thought about it and there were some verses that helped me uh get there one of them was uh isaiah thirty eighteen, and and it says and, and and this was uh this was a blessing to me uh Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. So he's, he's reaching out for us. He's, he's longing to be gracious to us. And he rises up to show you compassion. That's the kind of God um, that David was talking to. And that's the kind of God that, um, that we serve. What and was that reference, Joe? It was uh, Isaiah thirty eighteen. Well, just building on what Lynn said, I think when we realize... You know what we have been forgiven of that you know we don't have the consequences that we deserve that's the natural outgrowth mm-hmm. that is uh joy yeah it, and relief exactly 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 um I think yeah. that actually says a lot about david that he recognizes that already. Yep. Ab- absolutely absolutely <clears throat> Yeah, and to piggyback on both of them, um, I, I think that Philippians 1 7 that you referenced, Paul, ago, mm-hmm. that, that the next phrase when it says, I'm confident of this very thing that he began a good work and you will not will finish it in a day because you the Lord. And then he says, I have every right to feel this way about you because I have you in my heart. Mm-hmm. He sure does. And yeah. so that's yeah. what Lynn was talking about. That Satan is seeking to destroy you, but Satan, but God was Jesus wants to give us life abundantly. Yep. Satan wants to keep that ever before us. Yep. You will always be known for this. Yep. 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 So, uh, I think, and, and I think David knew God well enough uh, to know that this is exactly what God wanted to do for him. I think he knew God well enough, you know, in Psalm 103, um, he, 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 he paints a beautiful picture of God. And we talked about this on, on, on the sec- during the second week, I think. Um, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has a compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So this is, this is the God that David knew. This is the God that we serve. Um, and, uh, and I think, uh, I think he absolutely, um, knew God wanted to do this for him. So um, so how do we see this working for us today? How do, how do, we, uh, how do we see God moving us from suffering um, to peace 
today in in your lives? Need, uh, I need you to come and help me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. When I realize that I need you, then call you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I think that one of the things that holds us back is the ability to forgive ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's just like Pam just said, because we are human, it's always before us what yeah. we did. Yep. Yeah. You yeah. know, and so I think that having that um, that ability to understand that God doesn't just say, Okay, I forgive you and and he goes on about his business, he blots it out entirely from yeah. his memory. And so we need to be able to do that yeah. with ourselves. And that's where the joy and gladness comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the first time I realized that, that when I asked God to forgive me of something that I already asked him to forgive, mm-hmm. <laughs> that he's going, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it took somebody speaking that truth into my heart to go, oh, he said he forgot it as far as the east from the west. Do I believe that? Yeah. And so we have to believe, we have to know his promises, and we have to believe in them. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Absolutely. I think the other side of that coin is important, too, though. We have to recognize the magnitude of our sins. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we screw up big time like David did, it's, it's easy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's those things that constantly... You know that Satan uses to be far more sinister mm-hmm. when uh, it's not really that big of a deal. When in fact we are still sinning against God, and He is still willing to forgive us, but it doesn't mean anything unless we recognize the value of what we of what He's that forgiveness that He's given mm-hmm. because of the magnitude of what. We uh, you know, that seem like yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. So, when I ask God for joy and gladness, and uh, that the bones you've crushed rejoice, uh, I want it now or yesterday, maybe. Um, and I don't, I don't. <clears throat> God certainly can work in that way, and I, and I, and I believe that. Um, but but I will tell you a, a set of scripture that helped me understand a little bit about where joy and gladness comes from, and and uh, and and how that process works in us is in Romans five, um, and it's verses three through five, and this is where Paul is talking about um, how our suffering produces perseverance. And our perseverance produces character, and our character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. When I started looking for joy and gladness, and I didn't see it immediately in my life, that that frightened me a little bit. Um, and as I, again, as I was studying and as I, I, I was looking through different things, this, this scripture said, no, you'll have joy and you'll have gladness. It'll be in my time and it's going to take you some work. It's going to take you some perseverance. You're going to have to build your character through perseverance. That character is going to give you hope. Um, and you're, you're going to have the spirit. Um, but it's going to come in my time. And, uh, not exactly the answer I wanted, but but certainly certainly a powerful answer and 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 really really life affirming for me um, in in going through this. So yeah. I also think uh, you know our mess, his message, and so um, God wants to use our journeys if we stay right where where 
when something happens that we, you know, Satan wants us to stop growing. Mm -hmm. But if we can focus on that he will not steal our joy, in some, in some words, in the word joy in the New Testament, that word means to find the meaning of. Mm. So maybe joy is not the, the good feeling I have, yeah. uh, but maybe it's what is the purpose of this journey I'm on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he wants it to, for us to use it to help somebody else, to get the focus off ourselves. Yeah. Because we're just a pawn in the game. Yeah. The, the God, Satan is trying to get back at God. He doesn't care anything about us. He just wants to get one of Jesus' followers because that's who he wants to take down. Yep, absolutely. You know, think that he's got it made. Yep, absolutely. So we said, remember whose side we're on. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that would be the winning side. Yeah, absolutely. Any other thoughts or comments? We'll move on to verse 9. Uh, Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Um, and this is real similar to verse uh, 2 when he talks about blot out my transgressions, uh, cleanse me from all my iniquity and wash away all my sins, or wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from all my sins. Um, and, and very much like uh, in verse 1 and 2, he doesn't, he doesn't want anything that's going to come between him and God. He wants, he wants it completely removed. He wants that legal record uh, blotted out and he doesn't want God to look at his sin anymore and see it and have it be something that comes between uh, him and, and, and his father. Um, so I don't have a whole lot to say on this verse other than to say uh, we, we certainly have our answer to uh, David's request. Um, there are lots and lots of scriptures that, that talk about this but Colossians 2 13 through 15 um, and I've read this one once before as well, uh, is a really powerful one for me. Um, when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So David is asking for God to blot those sins out you know, this scripture, along with many, many others, talks about how through Christ it, it is taken away and, and, and it has been nailed to the cross. Okay, verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Um, so, I... If there is a favorite verse in Psalm 51 for me, it is this verse. Because um, when I read it, uh, I don't know, something happened uh, inside of me. Um, and uh, it, it gave me a focus point. Um, so, uh, in fact, after serious consideration, I almost got a tattoo on my arm that said, uh, pure heart, steadfast, willing spirit. Um, we'll talk about willing spirit. I, I came close. <laughs> talk to Amy about it. But yeah, she's back there going, what? Where, where? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I actually thought about doing that. Um, I, I, I think it's really, really powerful, and it, it gave me something to focus on. Um, so David's, David's got two problems here. Um, that he's he's talking to God about. He's he's got a heart problem, um, and David knows the condition of his heart. Um, he's already talked to God, and he's already said, "Look, I'm sinful, sinful from the time I was born, uh, sinful from the time my mother conceived me." Um, and he knows that his actions uh, demonstrate uh, the the condition of his heart. You know the. The, your actions and what you say are the overflow of your heart. And Jesus talked about that. So he knows he's got, he's got lust, he's got murder, he's got rebellion against God, he's got uh, covetousness, stealing, he's got all of these things that, that are the overflow of his heart. So he knows he's got a heart problem that he needs to deal with. Um, and he also has a, a spirit problem. So he's He's looking at this and he's asking God to renew a steadfast spirit within him. So if you look at David's life, 
you see a steadfast spirit throughout his life. Um, you see him showing up um, on the battlefield and being indignant because a Philistine is, is cursing and, and mocking God and, and saying, well, I'll take care of that. That's, it's not going to be me. It's going to be God, but I'll take care of it. He's, he's already seen me through a lot of other stuff. Um, he had a steadfast spirit. He had a strong, strong desire um, to do what God talked to him, got what God had called him to do, and what God was was working in his life for him to do, um, and uh, and he realizes he's lost that. So he's he's looking for a pure heart, and he's looking for God to restore a, a steadfast uh, spirit within him. And and here's the thing: he 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 realizes that he can't change his heart. He knows he can't change his spirit. Uh, and he knows he's got to rely on God for it. Um, and, uh, you know, the thing, the thing that I love the most about this is he's talking about, I want new, create in me. You know, create means make something new. I want new. I want a pure heart. I, I want that spirit back. Um, so he's looking for a total change of his heart. Um, and the beautiful thing is God, God says that's exactly what he's going to do for us all. Um, and uh, I want to start with a couple of scriptures in the Old Testament where God through Ezekiel and uh, Jeremiah is talking about the new covenant that he's eventually going to have with his people um, through Jesus and through his blood. And these are the, the kinds of things God is saying. And these aren't the only two scriptures, but these are, these are two of my favorite um, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel at that time, declares the Lord. And this is Jeremiah 31, 33. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. So, you know, David's asking for a, a steadfast spirit and a new spirit and a pure heart. And God is talking through Jeremiah about how he's going to put his law in everybody's heart through the Spirit, right? Uh, in that new covenant. And then Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27, um, God says through Ezekiel, I will, and I, I love these I will statements uh, from God, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So, you know, this is God, you know, even, even as he's talking about what he's going to do through Christ, saying, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to change your heart. I'm going to give you a pure heart. I'm going to give you a new spirit. I'm going to give you a steadfast spirit. Well, Joe, you mentioned getting a tattoo right on your arm, but yeah. actually... You have a tattoo already written on your heart, which is far greater than ink on your heart. It's a great point. It's a great point. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Amy's back there agreeing too. Yeah, absolutely true. Absolutely true. Um, Joe, also in this verse, you know, I, I grew up learning this verse, creating me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Mm -hmm. You know, and and that conjures up the image of, all right, well, get on the right team. Right? Mm -hmm. but, um, that word steadfast, or in the New Living, it uses the word loyal. Mm -hmm. spirit, mm -hmm. uh, I think conjures up a much, much stronger picture of um, not only get on the right side, but I am on your team, and I am never going to leave it. May I never leave this yeah. again yep. no matter what. Exactly. Never let, never let me do this again. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. May I never walk away willingly again. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I have something similar to that in my notes. Yeah, I completely agree. Thank you, Tim, for that. Um, so, so, so some scripture that kind of ties it in for me that we have this through, through Jesus also, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And that says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. So, you know, David was praying for a new heart. 
you know, Paul is saying here to the Corinthians, hey, if, if you're in Christ, you have a new heart. You're a new person. You're a new, entirely new creation. Um, so we have that and we can, you know, we can we can take, you know, tremendous uh, comfort in that, I think. And then John 14, 16 and 17, when Jesus is talking about giving uh, the, the, the spirit that is going to follow. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be with you and will be in you. So, you know, David's asking for a steadfast spirit and, and Jesus is saying, you're going to have the most steadfast spirit you can you can get. You're going to have the spirit of God and he's going to be in your heart and he's going to be there forever. And then Galatians 5, 22 and 23, which talks about the fruit of the spirit. Kind of gives you a kind of in my mind ties this all up nicely. Uh, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Uh, against such things, there is no law. And I think if you are trying to describe what a pure heart looks like um, that comes from a steadfast spirit, I don't think you could find a better set of descriptors for a pure heart um, than those right there. So, you know, uh, once again, you know, as, as I was studying, God just made it very clear to me, once again, you're asking for something you already have. And... Uh, Pretty sure he didn't say bonehead. I think that was my, <laughs> I think that was my ad. But it, I added it once or twice. Um, so, any other thoughts or comments? Okay. All right. Verse eleven. Do not cast me from your presence, or take your Holy Spirit from me. So, uh, why on earth uh, would he be afraid of that, in particular? The, the first thing is we're, we're, we're way back here in the Old Testament. Right. What's he talking about the Holy Spirit way back there? We didn't get the Spirit until Jesus came. True. Um, but you see reference to God and God's Spirit um, coming at different times and in, in, in different I, I, I think you see you, you you don't see necessarily the same Holy Spirit that we're talking about but you see God's Spirit and the Holy Spirit um, coming and showing up and making an appearance at different parts or different times throughout the Old Testament and then he will he will you know Joe I was being absolutely facetious <laughs> okay. I was trying to say, okay, here he is. We have been taught, mm -hmm. excuse me, that it was not there. Right. Here it is. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. I think I understand your point now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when he was scared to death, he was going to lose it. So. I, I tossed out the question, why was, why was David even worried about this in the first place? So this is exactly what happened with Saul. Um, he's, David is saying, don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. But Saul lost the Holy Spirit. Um, 1 Samuel 16, 14 says, now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and then an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. So David had seen his successor fail. He had seen him lose, lose God's um, approval and, and lose his Holy Spirit. So I think he's scared to death about it. And, and you know, again, I, I keep referring back to the entirety of his life. But can you imagine how frightening that would have been for, for David in particular? If you, you think about how much he relied on God throughout his life, you think about you know, him relying on him as a shepherd and, 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 and throughout his entire life to lose that at that point would be, I, I think, absolutely devastating. So I think he was scared to death. Um, 
So have have any of y'all been worried about, um, have you been afraid or, or worried that you've managed to send your way away from God and, and out of his presence? Have you ever hit that point in your life? I see subtle head nods, very subtle head nods. Yeah, I, I, I think it's uh, I think it's something that we naturally fear. Um, should we? Amy's giving me an, an, a, a, the big negative. I, I I don't think we should. Um, I think I think Romans eight thirty eight and thirty nine um, do a good job of telling us. Um, And maybe I lost the tab. Okay. Romans 38, uh, 38 and 39. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I think that right there says, you know, that... uh we we don't need to be afraid that that we're going to be separated from God. I think I think that is uh, that is God through Paul telling us, I'm, you, you don't have to worry about that. Um, and again, we have that through Christ. Um, and so I, I I think the very request he's making is an indication of his heart and, and that his heart is acceptable to God. You know, he's he's worried about this, and and he's. Uh, He's, he's praying that it won't happen. But uh, for us, I think we're in a different place, and, and I don't think we have to worry about that. I think we can. I think we can make a decision to turn away and, and walk completely away from God, reject the Son of God, um, and that's a, that. But that's something different than we're talking about here. I think it's a good thing, Joe, that we. I may have jumped ahead of you just a hair at verse 12 mm. uh, where he says restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit I think it's a very good thing for us to consciously pray to the Lord to keep my spirit open and receptive uh, to your will mm-hmm. and your leading, uh, praying that my spirit will be open to God's working and God's influence in my life. I think it's a very important prayer that we we might neglect way too much. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, I agree with that. Thank you. Yeah. Any other thoughts or comments? I think that there is a distinction there because we mentioned Saul, but the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul. And then we read um, Romans where it says, nothing can ever separate us from the love of Christ. But I, I think there's a, there's a little understood thing that's not there, except you. You know, we can separate ourselves. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We choose to absolutely to walk away. And yep. so this comment of David's of "Don't banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me" is almost like a, a confession um, to a certain extent mm-hmm. of um, "I am not going to walk away from you." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, please. Please don't take your spirit from me, yeah. uh, like you did from from Saul. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. And then uh, the last verse we're going to try and tackle, and we will tackle it very quickly, uh, is "Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me." Um, so again, I think he's got two problems he's talking to God about. First, he's lost his joy, and we've talked a lot about that over the last uh, couple of Wednesdays. Um, his sin has removed his joy and, and, uh, and, and probably made him question his salvation. And then he's uh, also lost his um, willingness um, to serve and obey. He wants 
I think he's saying, I want to want to do what you want me to do. I realize that's a tongue twister, but I want to want to do it. And I, I think that's what he's asking God for uh, there. Um, you know, Gary, Gary's already talked about, hey, it, this is a prayer we probably neglect. We probably need to be praying this a whole lot more. Um, give me a willing spirit. Um, I, I think we absolutely do. Um, and I think, um, you know, because at, at one point I was looking at it and I was thinking, does, do I control my spirit? Or does God control my spirit? Or is it a blending of the two? Uh, and I think Philippians 2.12 talks about it. Uh, it, it. And Paul is talking again to the Philippians, and he's saying, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. So so I think, Gary, you're spot on. I, I, I think we have to ask him to you know, step in and to help us and to give us that willing spirit that, that wants to be what he's, what he's called us to be uh, throughout our lives. Um, all right. And given, given the time, I think we will, we will probably end there. Any, any last comments or, or thoughts on, on what we've talked about today? Alrighty. Well, thank you guys very much, and we'll see you one more time next week. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.